Town Bank Mortgage and Fitzgerald Financial Group are equal housing lenders. The following information is for educational purposes only. Town Bank Mortgage and Fitzgerald Financial Group, NMLS number 512138. Shervin Joseph, NMLS number 188513. This is not a commitment to lend. Shervin Joseph is a loan officer and diversity manager with over 35 years of experience in the mortgage industry. Today, we're going to talk to Shervin about the home buying process and what you need to do or not do before starting the process. Often, first-time buyers are surprised when they're told that they should start the home buying process by speaking with a lender and getting a pre-qualification before they start shopping with an agent. Can you tell us why it's beneficial to start with a lender first? Okay, so the reason that it's beneficial to the home buyer to get pre-qualified prior to the home buying process, it's a twofold answer or situation. Um, it helps the agent know what to look for and where to set them up from a price point. More importantly for the borrower, it helps them determine uh, how much money do I need? Do I qualify? Uh, are my ratios, debt ratios intact? Um, uh, am I looking at the right houses? Because it doesn't make sense to look for a house that's five or 600,000, would you qualify for 350? Um, that's a lot of wasted time and wasted, wasted energy. You should always, under every circumstance, first have the pre-qualification process done. Everybody's on the same page. You know exactly what you're looking for, you know what you're qualified for, and you know where the process will take you to closing is, uh, barring no surprises, you should be um, a seamless process. Today's buyer tip. A pre-qualification, sometimes used interchangeably with the term pre-approval, is an estimate of what you might be approved to borrow based on supporting documentation such as pay stubs, bank statements, W-2s, debts, and a credit review. The steps and words involved in the pre-approval or pre-qualification process vary depending on the lender. Many lenders use pre-qualification and pre-approval interchangeably, although in the past they have meant fundamentally different things. So as a loan officer, what are you looking at um, when you are pre-qualifying a client? What kind of information are you using to give them that pre-qualification? Well, uh, from my vantage point and any loan officer should always underwrite the loan uh, as they're taking the application. What that means is you have to put yourself in the underwriter's situation. So that way you get everything to fit not only the guidelines of that particular program, but for the way you structured it based on the profile you're dealing with. So I am constantly looking for, um, uh, as they give me their information and I pull up their credit report, automatically looking to make sure that they're qualified, make sure the debt ratios are in play, make sure their FICA scores qualify for the particular program, whether it's government or conventional, you know, there's a little bit more latitude with government loans and that's FHA and VA loans. With Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac conventional loans, you know, there's a little bit more demand for 
a tighter structure when it comes to uh, the, the um, debt ratios. So it's critical that we, and the FICO scores. So it's critical that you're on point for that. Then you look for little things, little nuances with the borrower. Uh, maybe they told you that um, uh, I just received a raise. And so that raise might help them qualify. And you have to ensure that they understand that you need a, at least one pay stub uh, with the raise included in it so that there are no issues with regards to the qualifications on the old income. Using the new income, you have your documentation and your qualifying. Uh, if there's child support, you have um, documentation relevent to the, the separation or child support agreement, if, depending on what the situation is. So there's different nuances depending on the borrower's profile or needs that you need to, as you go along, just be very aware that this could be resolved now. Because if the more you resolve at application, the faster you close the loan. So, and that's why when I tell agents or borrowers, yeah, we could close you in three weeks or two weeks. I mean, we have, Fitzgerald Financial has the platinum program. And that platinum program provided that we have everything up front and everything pans out as the borrower said it would and as the loan officer said it would, then you close that loan in 10 days to two weeks, which I've done. So it's, it's, it, it's incumbent upon the borrower being responsive enough to give us everything that we need. But more so, it's also incumbent upon the loan officer to pay attention and make sure that they have what they need to complete the process for the, for the borrower. The borrower is depending on the loan officer to guide them through that process. So it's on the loan officer to make sure all the details are connected and the blueprint uh, and the plan is done. Today's buyer tip. Your debt ratio or debt to income ratio is all of your monthly debt payments divided by your gross monthly income. Your debt to income ratio or DTI, is important because it helps your lender determine that you have enough gross income to repay the new loan while still paying your established debts. Each loan program will have a different DTI limit that will need to be met in order to qualify for the loan. What do people need to know about down payments before they start the process? Uh, you know, there's the myth, and I'll take the lesser of the two first. There's a myth in some walks of life that you need 20% down to purchase a home. No, you don't. Uh, minimum down on an FHA loan is 3.5%. Minimum down on a conventional is 3%. Heck, um, you could get a USDA for 100% loan and a VA for 100% loan. So those, you know, those are things that they need to sit down and find out um, where they are with regards to funds, they might be better prepared than they could even imagine. Once you do a pre-qualification, uh, at the end of the day, you'll know whether or not you're on track to have enough money to close with, or if you need assistance or you need more time to save more money. Uh, there's so many ways now for the first time home buyer to help themselves, whether it's a gift from a relative and it has to be relative, mother, father, sister, brother, has to be able to give you a gift. And there's a procedure to that. Um, 
or whether or not you could get a grant, whether you qualify for a first-time home buyer program. And there's certain cities and counties that have down payment assistance programs. Today's buyer tip. While some loan programs may not always require a 20% down payment, you will be required to pay private mortgage insurance if you put less than 20% down, unless you are using a VA loan. The private mortgage insurance will protect the lender on their investment in case you are not able to make your monthly payments, and in some cases can be removed once you reach a certain amount of equity in your home. While low down payments open the door for many buyers who wouldn't otherwise be able to purchase a home, a lower down payment can increase the monthly mortgage payment. Your loan officer will help you weigh your options and decide what down payment works best for you. Once you run the numbers and people receive the amount that they're qualified to borrow, is there anything that can be done if they're not happy with that amount? Say they want to borrow more money, like $50,000 more? That happens all the time. At least <laughs> I see it all the time. Well, I was thinking more of instead of 400, 450, 475. Well, of course, you go back to the numbers and make sure that it, do they have enough wiggle room to push the envelope that where they're you know, you're not going to go over the requirements, DTI, you know, um, uh, assets to close, all of the above. And you also have to be, as a loan officer, confident enough and candid enough to tell them, no, this is as far as you can go based on your income, based on the information you provided. Because again, it's not just a conversation. You're requesting all the documents so you can verify those documents and make sure that the numbers match up. So it, it, it's really incumbent upon the loan officer uh, to have a little steel in their spine and say uh, what's beneficial to the borrower. It doesn't help the borrower by taking them to a 500,000 loan if you're only qualifying for 400 or 425. You have to let them know and, and you have to risk that they want to go to someone else just because they don't like what you're telling them. But again, you have to explain that. But you also give them options. Um, do you have someone else to go on the loan? Am I missing any income that uh, you're not talking about? Is there a part-time job that you have? Do you receive bonuses on an annual basis? And then with the bonuses, have you received it for at least two years? Um, so you, you're constantly prodding for more support to help them get to where they want to go. It's not just being candid and just saying, okay, you don't qualify. And that's not fair. You have to exhaust every means necessary legally to get them where they want to go. Mm -hmm. Sounds like that could be the difference between a, you know, a good loan officer and not a good loan officer is somebody that's willing to kind of take the time and explain all of that to them and work with them in what, whatever ways that they can. And you're right. It's at the end of the day, there's, and I'm not trying to pick on loan officers, but loan officers have to step up and do their job and be more than just a quick answer. And if this one doesn't work, move on to the next one. You have to give people time. And for the most part, Fitzgerald Financial, Town Bank, 
We have amazing loan officers that I know for a fact go the extra mile to look out for uh, the borrower. Right. So um, how long typically does the pre-qualification process take? Pre-qualification process, again, could take um, as quickly as a good loan officer and a responsive borrower. So if I did an application today, for instance, and I said, hey, I need all of this information. The sooner you get it to me, the quicker I could tell you, you qualify for this, this, and this. And if you've identified a house already and we have the right numbers, fine. Otherwise, I could tell you, you qualify for this. Let your agent know you qualify for this and you could start looking immediately. If you get that information to me by this afternoon, I'll tell you by this evening or you know, this afternoon. If you get it to me in a few days, then it's gonna take, I'm gonna respond immediately after I receive the documentation. However, you have some borrowers that might be a little slow on the draw, not necessarily of the, you know, working family, trying to get documents that they thought they had filed accurately and to ensure that they get me the right documents might take a little time. So again, the onus is on them, but as soon as the loan officer receives it, they should make time for the customer and make sure they respond accordingly. How long does a pre-qualification last? Pre-qualification, for the most part, are good for three months. The same window as a credit report. Okay, that's a 90-day window. Now, it, with that being said, in a market like this, where rates are gradually increasing, it behooves you to make sure that you're in touch with your loan officer, that you're in good shape. And if you want to close and you're in position to close, I tell people, if you're in position to buy, buy. Because in a, in a market where interest rates are going to gradually increase, inflation is kind of stifling us right now and it's gonna get a little worse. If you're in a position, don't say, well, I'm gonna wait because I missed out on last year when the rates were two and three quarters. You might not ever see that again. And while you're waiting, that three and three quarters to 4% that you're seeing now might be four and a half. So you're digging a bigger hole for yourself. So take, take what you have now, get your house, and be satisfied with that rate. That's still a great rate. Once you pre-qualify a client for a certain amount, is there anything that could happen during process that negates that qualification? Absolutely. Um, and, and you know what? When you qualify them, uh, there might be something that comes up like um, uh, debts that were not disclosed and might not be on the credit report. Um, and that happens sometimes with, um, you know, you didn't tell about a mortgage that was an investment property or LLC because you're self-employed, but stuff always happens. And I think it mostly happens with assets. If there's assets for closing, and then all of a sudden uh, we look to get ready to go to closing or something happens with um, the numbers and we realize wait a minute, you're, we need updated bank statements and those bank statements do not match up with the amount of money needed to close. That's an issue. And, and that's a, an issue of not paying attention 
and the borrower being a little cavalier with their money. To help buyers navigate the process smoothly, do you have a list of things that they should not do once their loan is in process? I have the don'ts. The home buying don'ts uh-huh. is something that we have at the company. And it's a big deal because I do a lot of <clears throat> virtual seminars. So it's a big deal when I say these don'ts because uh, you could see a sea of customers on a Zoom call uh, or you could see their faces light up because realtors relate to these don'ts because they've experienced borrowers that have done this. But borrowers laugh and I caution them while some of them appear to be funny, they're very real and we've experienced it from a mortgage lending standpoint, all of them. So when we start going through the don'ts and I'm gonna go through it real quick if you don't mind because it's not one or two don'ts, there's about 10 main don'ts and then there's don'ts depending on the person's situation. So we try to generalize what the don'ts are. Uh, Do not change jobs and that's number one. Do not change jobs, become self-employed, or quit your job. Uh, number two, do not buy a car, truck, or van, or you may be living in it. Uh, one of my favorites, because we always get a reaction to that. But I caution them because, you know, depending on what you're buying, you could go from a car from about $500 a month to maybe $700 a month. That changes the whole profile of your qualification, depending on how tight you were to qualify for this specific loan. Number three, do not use charge cards excessively or let your accounts fall behind. Seen it? People actually charging up and getting ready for the house before they own it, okay? Um, Or, you know, hey, let's go to Cabo for the weekend. It's a four-day weekend. You know, let's go ahead and load up the credit card and you know, we pull an updated credit report or whatever, and we see your payments gone up. And again, it pushes your debt ratio to where we weren't expecting it. Uh, Do not spend money you have set aside for closing, Cabo. Um, Do not omit debts or liabilities from your loan application. You know, don't try to hide anything from the loan officer. Be candid, be honest, It, it doesn't help. Uh, you in any way to hide anything because we're going to find out. This is a process. It's a thorough process. We're lending you hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's going to be a process. Just be candid. Do not buy furniture. Get the house. Buy the furniture after. The gorgeous car you want to put in the driveway of the new house, get the house. Think about the gorgeous car down the road. Uh, Do not originate any inquiries on your credit card. Not necessary. Just take it easy. Do not make large deposits without first checking with your loan officer. Every large deposit in excess of $500, you have to supply a letter of explanation for. Where did this large deposit come from? And you have to have a paper trail. So, you know, again, do not make large deposits and... Here's the the follow-up to that one. Do not change bank accounts or move money between accounts. Critical. No, it's not necessary. And lastly, do not co-sign a loan for anyone. There's always the brother or sister or mom or dad that 
hey, I need you to co-sign on this house or on this car for me, you know, and you have to have the toughness to say, hey, I'm getting ready to purchase. I can't do it. I've got to, you know, I'm not in position to do that right now. And you, you do. It's one of those times in your life where you have to be done. You have to be selfish. And it's not really selfish. It's just being smart about your financial situation and making sure that you accomplish your dream as well as opposed to taking care of somebody else's dream. What's your advice to people who are considering buying a home, but they're just not quite sure that they're there yet? Um, yeah, I, I think that too often people underestimate and overestimate their situation about purchasing a home before actually meeting the loan officer. I think first and foremost, before anything you do, if you have it in your mind, whether you're gonna, you wanna purchase in a month, two months, three months, a year, sit down with a loan officer, see where you are, see what you qualify for and see if you're in position to accomplish this or what you have to do to get in position. Too often, too many people assume, yeah, I've got to pay down these debts first, or I've got, I, I'm in pretty good shape. Uh, I'm just saving a little bit more, but you don't know. You're, you haven't met with a loan officer yet. How do you know what you're saving for? How do you know what to pay off if you're in a tight situation as far as your credit score is concerned? So I think if I had any advice to give, whether it's whether it's folks that are first-time home buyers and they're trying to figure things out, figure it out with a loan officer. Get a loan officer that has integrity. And, you know, my Angelo said it best. If people show you who they are the first time, trust it. That's who they are. If you don't trust it, move on to someone else that you feel that you could trust, but sit down with a loan officer. And if you're moving up and you're selling a home, and you're looking to purchase a home, the next home, sit down with a loan officer. The rules have changed since maybe five, 10 years ago when you were first buying a house and you wanna, you know, everybody knows everything about purchasing a home when they've owned a home. That's not so. We all know that the guidelines change darn near every year, every other year. And now we're in post COVID. So we're in a different ball game. We're in an inflated market. We're in a different ballgame. So sit down with a loan officer, understand what the new rules of the game is, understand what you have to do if you're selling your house or if you have it in your mind to lease your house up, make money off your house and purchase another one that you're in good position to do that. But make sure you're in great position to do that and you're not assuming a lot and you know it could just bust your bubble and bust your dream. And it, it could easily be remedied by just sitting down with a loan officer and just having a great conversation and making sure the numbers work. But that's my advice would be sit down with the loan officer and make sure maybe it's not time, but you'll find out if it is or isn't. Shervin, thank you so much for your time and your advice today. And for those of you who are listening, if you have any questions, please feel free to email Shervin at any time. He can be reached at shervin.joseph at fitzgeraldfinancial.net.